Father, we thank you that we're able to come here. Just pray that uh, you would speak through me to everybody here today. In Jesus' name. Well, Steve invited us to speak. He didn't tell us he was going to stand at the back. Because normally he's not around. And it's like... He could have asked us to speak on Lent, because we've just started Lent. It could have been Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. When we prayed with the kids' work, there were two young guys who were trying to convince the, their partners that Valentine's Day wasn't an issue, didn't need to be celebrated. And I had to stop myself saying, guys, you've got a lot to learn. <laughs> You know, things like, no, no, you've got to love them every day. And it's like, yeah, I believe in that too, but. <laughs> so, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. We're not going to be talking about that. This week, we're on our third session in our Transformed series. Jesus invites us to come just as we are. But when we really start to follow him, we have to change. And I think in one of the words, you know, it was, hey, people can stay as long as you like where you are, but at some point, if we're going to follow Jesus, there's going to be some change. It's, it's inevitable. So our, our identity, who we are, our desires, which quite often are our own and not the desires of God for our lives, how we live our lives, how we choose to do life, how we make decisions. In each of those areas, things are going to, going to change if and when we decide to follow Jesus. And this series is designed to help equip each of us on our journey as followers of Jesus. And the first two, anybody remember the first two? First one was power up with prayer. Last week's was Refresh in worship. And if you've missed the first two, you can catch them on uh, the church website. And if you've been variously dragged here or decided just to come and have a look, or you've no clue why something or someone has brought you here, well, it's good to see you. And I hope you might be inspired up and fired up by this week's, which is stop. Read the word. And the word being... Uh, the Bible. So the one thing I've prayed over this last couple of weeks in preparing for this is that, well, everybody, but at least somebody here would be changed for what they do with the Bible after what I'm going to share with you this morning. So this whole series comprised a range of tools to help you and me learn more about Jesus, his character, his life, his purpose, And in response to model our whole lives, our attitudes, our thinking and behavior on him. Because isn't that what followers or disciples do? So today I'm going to share a few things about the Bible. One, what is it? Two, why read it? Three, what stops us from reading it? And four, how might we get into better and more effective Bible reading habits? And hopefully I won't get to the end and say, oh, and by the way, there's a fifth point. So four points for those who like that sort of thing to keep awake. So first point, what is it? So what is 
the Bible in your experience. When I was a youngster back in County Durham, in our house, there was a big family Bible. Anybody remember having a big family Bible at home? A few hands, some of the older ones, putting hands up. But this was, I can't see it now, it was about that deep, you know, big old tome of a thing. And I rang one of my sisters and in convict, whatever happened to that family Bible? And she's looking for it. She thinks, well, I think I got it when mum died. I think it's in the loft. And it was in a shelf in a cupboard in a room. And this is where the me or the R's, where four brothers shared the same room. But in the cupboard in our room, it was on a top shelf gathering dust. And occasionally, one of us would get it down just to look in it. There was no family tree or anything like that in there, but it was, it was there. I don't recall there being many books in our house, and that was definitely the oldest. Uh, I can visualize a copy of the Good News Bible, which one of us, and some of you who don't know us, most most might know that I'm one of ten kids, you know, so it could have been any anybody got this green Good News Bible. And I had a Boys' Brigade Bible. I can remember, I can't remember being presented with it, but I can remember a little similar size to one of the Gideon's Bibles. I can remember that being around. And I kept it in my drawer, my only drawer, which all of my clothes were in. Some of you think I'm joking, but I'm not, I'm serious. And until I left home to go to college, I went to Sunday school church and BB, so I became familiar with many of the stories in the Bible. But lots of the Bible were a mystery, and to be honest, lots seemed pretty boring in my church experience. I mean, the Psalms, when you, your only exposure to the Psalms is seeing them on a hymn board and a choir chanting through them to weird tunes. Anybody from a Methodist, and I'm not knocking the Methodist church, but John's smiling, you know, and it's like, what's that about? And I do remember being presented with two Gideon Testaments, one at school and then later one at the police training centre, but I can't embarrassingly remember what happened to either of them. I say embarrassingly because I belong to the Gideons, whose aim is to win men and women for Jesus, and we try and do that by presenting Bibles. So what's your experience of the Bible? Which is why I've run through my early experience of the Bible. And what is it? Not what's your experience, but what is the Bible? Uh, I've often had to give presentations in school and different places for the Gideons. And here are some of the snippets that we sometimes use. Well, it's made up of, it's not one book. It's 66, 39 in the old. How many in the new, Pete? 27. Written from around 1450 BC, right through to the book of Revelation, so over over a period of about 1500 years, it continues to be the best-selling book year on year, and is, if you look look on Wikipedia, it is the best-selling book of all time, translated in full in a lot of languages, because the numbers begin to mean nothing but you know, loads of languages, 350, 
and in over uh, certain books of the Bible in over 2,000 languages or dialects. And some of you, if you did the Alpha course, Nicky Gumbel, whether you like him or not, does a great uh, historical perspective on the Bible. Because over 2,000 years, lots of people have tried to discredit and say it's a book of fiction, it was, you know, it's not what it's uh, supposed to be or put out to be. And we haven't got enough time here to go through the evidence. Suffice to say that events referred to throughout the Bible are well documented by authors in the secular world, whether that's the flood, you know, and there's geological evidence for that, or many of the other stories. Historically, you know, the, uh, the fall of the temple, fall of Jerusalem, and so on. But enough of almost the irrelevant bits. As a Christian, I believe that it was written by men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing is, over 1,500 years, for anybody that has looked at the Bible even a little bit or a lot, the whole story through the Bible, it's just almost beyond belief that over that period of time written by all of the different authors, there's a thread runs, well, more than one thread runs through it. You know, there's a story there that makes uh, sense. And why do I believe that, that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit? Just a couple of Bible verses. Jesus says this in John 14, 25 to 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And I believe in that passage, Jesus is telling us and the disciples, the Holy Spirit breathed his word through all of the authors of the Bible as we know it today. And equally, the Holy Spirit continues to breathe through God's people as he did this morning. You know, with people coming up front, believing that they've heard something or being prompted to share something. And then in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's a little bit about what what is it? What's the Bible? Why read it? Well, where to start? There are so many verses in the Bible that we could share where we're encouraged, directed, and indeed commanded to read or to know God's word. I mentioned earlier that Stop, Read the Word is one of a series of messages about us being transformed as people trying to follow Jesus. And what does transform mean? Some of you looking blank. Anybody remember the Transformer toys? Look like a car and then suddenly transformed to look like a robot or a monster or it's changed. If we're going to be transformed, we're going to be changed. Transformed means to be altered, to be altered in form and purpose. And the Bible reading that I do want to focus on this morning is from 2 Corinthians 5, a couple of verses 17 to 21, which I think will come up. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. So we read there, the old is gone, the new has come. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, how different are you now to when you made that commitment? Have your habits changed? Or are many still the same? Have you developed any new habits? Some here probably thinking, what is he on about? Habits. Like, when you get dressed, do you put your socks on first? Or your pants on first? Or do I bite my nails? Or do I leave my clothes lying around and hope that the other half will pick them up? I wouldn't use the... Anybody get wound up over the tube of toothpaste, you know, that gets squished in the middle and is often said as one of the annoying, ha- annoying habits. I don't mean those habits. Steve last week said something like, we can become what we worship. Do you remember that? You know, so what we really look to, admire... Want to be like, that's where we'll spend or start creating habits to follow. If you love money, was one of them. He used, I think, we can become greedy. I've put in, if you love Star Wars, you become, Steve, what, where's he? Where's he gone? What do you become if you love Star Wars? You must, it's a habit forming thing, isn't it? You must become something. Yeah, you become, you look like a Jedi or, As if I knew what I was talking about. But seriously, we need to recognize that habits are important in forming our hearts. So if you've made that decision at some stage to follow Jesus, did you make a new habit of looking at or reading the Bible? Just a question to reflect on. Well, I hope you will. So what are your Bible reading habits like at this point in your journey? This passage includes another good reason why we should read the Bible as followers of Jesus. And it's a really challenging line. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. Paul is saying that we are separated by God from God by our sinful nature but that God has reconciled us to him through sacrificing his only son, Jesus. So not only at a personal level, but God has reconciled himself to the whole world. I mean, it's beyond, on Valentine's Day, that's beyond my understanding. You know, I love Anne dearly, but to have so much love to cover the whole world, that's what Paul's talking about here with God. He wants to reconcile everybody in the world back to him. And who's he given that message to? He's given that job to us to give that message. Followers of Jesus 
to give the message of reconciliation. What a privilege, what a responsibility, but what does it mean? Well, if you think about an ambassador, an ambassador is an authorised representative, said the dictionary. Typically, we hear them, hear of them in the context of a nation's representative to another country. Uh, we also hear of celebrities who are ambassadors, either for good causes or products. And I, I particularly heard about one this week, Adam Johnson, a Sunderland footballer who's in trouble with the courts, and he was an ambassador for Adidas. And he's been dropped just like that because they no longer want to be associated with them. That's a little bit of an aside, just as an example of what ambassadors are. So representatives. Now, it would be reasonable to expect an ambassador to know stuff about what they're representing, wouldn't it? You know, if, you, if you're an ambassador for the UK in any country across the world, you know, when other diplomats come to meet with you, they would expect our UK ambassador to know a little bit about the political scene, us as a country, and so on. So how, how can we be sure as ambassadors for Christ that we know a little bit about him? Well, it's I could have almost done this session by just saying, well, it's obvious, isn't it? Why read the word? Well, because to get to know Jesus and God, you've got to read the word. And remember too, Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a great reason as to why we should read uh, the Bible. So what stops us? Or should I say, what stops me? Because I don't want to apply my current situation or history as a lowly worm of a follower, follow, trying to follow Jesus. So I won't apply it to you. I'll talk about uh, myself. What stops me from reading the Bible? So everyone sit back and fill in the gap at the end of this statement, which I hope will come up. When I read, when it comes to reading the Bible, I, God, if you've got your phone out, put, type in on a note page or write on a bit of paper, you know. When I, when it comes to reading the Bible, I, we haven't got time for us to do a, you know, hands up who wants to share, but I've, what did we have? I get excited. Can't wait to get stuck in. Maybe I struggle. Maybe I get distracted. Maybe I don't know where to start. Maybe I get bored. Maybe I don't get round to it. Anybody put, I don't make the time. And it's like every time I come up here to speak, you know, I almost apologize. I don't want people to feel guilty. I want people to change, you know, where from where they are now. Because I'm all of those things. But I have to say, you know, there's probably more times I get distracted than I get excited about reading God's word. And quite often I'm the one who, even when I read the Bible, after I've read the passage, if you stop me, I would struggle to tell you what I'd just read. Anybody? Anybody do that? 
you know, you've got into a real religious pattern of a daily reading, you know, or, and if somebody stopped you, or you stop yourself and I've just read those two pages, I haven't got a clue what, what was on them. And I mean, hey, put myself up, did you know I've read the whole Bible each year for the last three to four years? Yay! But last year I missed so many days that when I got to the end of December, I'd only got as far as Hebrews. And January the 1st was coming and I'm due to start back in Genesis. So it's like I was never gonna, never gonna catch up. I did look at surveys about how we spend our time, but I don't want to share those because we all know how we spend our time. Uh, and one quote that I came across, not from a Christian, but the, this guy said, the key question to keep asking is, are you spending your time on the right things? Because time is all you have. Just read that again, you know, again for you to reflect on. Are you spending your time on the right things? Because time is all you have. So getting us all to dig a hole and think, what stops is reading the Bible? How might we get into better or more effective Bible reading habits? And this is a bit where I say, I've got no excuse Really, we've never lived in a time where the Bible isn't as accessible as it is now. Because people around here, you've got it on your widgets, your iPads, your P-Pods. But remember, you know, the early followers of Jesus didn't probably, and it's not speculation, but probably didn't even have access to the scrolls that the Old Testament was written on at that time. They relied on somebody like me, or better still, somebody like Steve, a minister, a preacher, to relate orally what had been documented and was regarded as so sacred that it wasn't shared. And that went on for years after Jesus died in in our own history where the Bible was regarded as so sacred that it was the domain of the priests, the ministers, the bishops... And me, because I wouldn't have been one of them, I'd have been one of the lowly worms. I'd have been reliant on just being fed from the pulpit what they wanted to feed us. But nowadays, it's accessible. First English Bible came about in 1380. I mean, imagine that, that's 1380 years after Jesus died. And the people in this country, you know, nobody had access to the Bible. Gutenberg in Germany produced the first printed Bible in Latin in 1450. Anybody do Latin at school? I got thrown off. Teacher, teacher said to us, after one year, Ken, I don't think it's worth you doing Latin in the ne- next two years. Or, And I was relieved because, again, you know, it, it excluded most of the people like us at that time. So for us here in Northampton, we do not have the excuse that the Bible is not available. It is. And if anybody sat there saying, but Ken, I haven't got one. I've even brought some along. <laughs> Outside, if you, and seriously, if you would like one, I'd love you to take one. You know, it's a nice handy size to slip in your bag or your pocket. 
So what can we do to try and make our habits in relation to the Bible or Bible reading more effective? I've got a few points here. One, have the right attitude. And again, somebody might be sat there thinking, I've never thought about that before. I've always seen it as a drudge or a, you know, one of the things I said, you know, there are that Bible verses where we are commanded to read God's word. Well, don't, you know, when we're commanded to do things, sometimes we kick and scream and don't want to do it. So have the right attitude. Do we approach God's word with the right motivation? Do we think of it as a chore or as a necessary habit? Or do we approach reading God's word as a means by which we get to know more of the character and see our vibrant living God? So let me start with a positive approach to reading God's word rather than saddling myself with a guilt-ridden, oh, I haven't got the time or I don't make the time. Second point, commit to getting to know God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, more than you do now through his word. Remember, well, I'm, I'm appealing to some of the older ones who might have gone to Sunday school. Remember the days when you used to do scripture exams? Kate, Kate's nodding. Yeah, Marcus says, you're not that old, Marcus, are you? I'm not talking about testing each other, you know, to test what's your knowledge of the Bible now and at the end of 12 months improve it, but that could be a way. But I'm just talking about improving our relationship with God by reading more of his word. We've just started Lent, so it's a good time to commit to doing one of the right things, something that might develop me as a better ambassador for God. I've already shared that I cannot often read a passage, or sorry, that I can often read a passage and not take in much of something uh, that I've just read. And just some pointers in my recent experience After you've read a passage of verse, take time, observe, what's it actually saying? Instead of just skipping over it, you know, maybe read it again, you know, but what's it actually saying? Because the amazing thing to me, when I get excited about reading the Bible, you know what? There are passages in there which I've come across or read umpteen times, and on reading it on that occasion, there was something new, there was something fresh came out of it. So observe and reflect on what you've just just read. Interpret or try to... What's it saying? Now, I haven't picked on numbers, because some of numbers, we... I mean, we've got to admit, that is hard work. You know, that's like question number three for when I see Jesus, you know, is why do numbers get put into the Bible? Because it is just numbers. I'm sure some preachers have spoken about it and got more out of it. So try and interpret, you know, try and see the context that something was written. Uh, use a commentary. But remember, a commentary is just somebody like you or me who's spent a lot more time looking at the original text, doing a bit of research, and it's what the Bible has said to them. But it's sometimes useful just to pick up some pointers there. And then after you've interpreted a bit, apply it. Is there anything in what you've read that you believe or think applies to you today. One very little example, and you might think, oh, Ken, you're a puny Christian. This is the best that you could. But this week, one of the daily readings I looked at 
was the very familiar story of feeding the 5,000. Everybody? Everybody familiar with it? John 6, verse 11. Then Jesus, Jesus took the loaves, give thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. And you know what? All of the times I've read that, I don't think I've ever, give, ever given much attention to the fact that Jesus did what? Speaker. Blessed. You know, that's, that's not what spoke to me out. Jesus, thank God. I'd never realized that that was the first thing he did. And what it spoke to me was, how often do I thank God for what I've got? Not just food on the table, because quite often I do try to remember to thank God and Anne for preparing the meal. But many times, for other stuff, don't give it a second thought, but it was a lesson or God speaking to me at that time through that passage which I was really familiar with. You know what? I need to be more thankful for everything that I've got. And then third point about how can we be more effective in our reading. Find the means, the pattern that suits you. Over the years I've heard lots of people from up front about, you know, you need to get this. Get UCB's word for today, which I'm not saying don't, but do this, do a Bible search. Hey, the key to me is find something that is going to help fire you up for, for God's word. Uh, in the past week, Steve's talked about rhythms in our lives and rooted. Anybody remember him talking about rooted? Which again is a, a good way of helping get some sort of pattern or habit. Another suggestion came via Alan and Catherine Scott. You know, a sermon that I've listened to of Alan's, they're the pastors at Causeway Coast. And he was speaking on why read the Bible, and it might have been easier just to play, play him. And he shared that Catherine, his wife, who's a prolific and established worship leader, you know, and I'd say black belt Christian, you know, up there with... She was at the National Leaders Conference. But he shared, you know, Catherine always struggled with her Bible reading. She struggled to pin herself down regularly to read God's Word. She said she wasn't a great reader because he introduced and said, you know, why, why didn't you read the Bible? Why don't you read the Bible? Well, I'm not a great reader. Anybody ever said that? I'm not a great reader. She always preferred to be on the go. And her husband, Alan, noticed, commented in love, of course, that she had no such problems in reading texts or Facebook posts or Instagram. And so Catherine downloaded the Bible in a year by Nicky Gumbel off the Alpha course and put it, she's, you know, she said this, and it's just a suggestion. You might be that person who, I don't, don't read much, but you're on your phone loads. And she put the Bible app right next to Twitter and Facebook and determined one day, and, and to make it a habit, that she would look at the Bible app first and then do Twitter and Facebook. Now that's not Ken, because some of you know I'm not on Facebook, so it wouldn't be appropriate for me to stick it alongside that. But please, you know, sit here this morning and think, is there a habit? Is there something I can change in how I do things just to increase your Bible reading 
so that it becomes uh, a bit more of a habit. Two events have happened recently that have prompted little changes in my Bible reading habits. And the first was on the Alpha, uh, Alpha course, the Holy Spirit sessions, and just catching eye contact with Philip there. Philip uh, led those sessions for us and did a really good job, but he got to the point, where, right, we're going to try this out, we're going to practice. And there was about ten of us in the room, I think, Philip, wasn't there? And it was like, you know, who would like more of what the Holy Spirit can give in sort of gifts? And people's heads went down, you know, they were looking at the dog, our dog Alfie, and anywhere else but at Philip. And I was like, oh, come on, you know, we've got the breakthrough. So, yeah, yeah, I'll... But then I had to, well, what gift would I like more? And it was a genuinely shared, well, actually, I'd like to hear from God more. And the amazing thing that night, after being prayed for, I had a couple of words for people that we prayed for, which was like, you know, it was almost unheard of. Paul smiled because he was in our group, and it was like, whoa, where did that come from? So that was one one thing about uh, hearing more from God through his word. And then at the National Leaders Conference, during one session, and a real prompting from the Spirit, and these aren't big things, you know, they're not big transformations. I'm not talking about, you know, somebody deciding this morning to go to theology college and study the Bible. But it came to me, you know what? I've really got the grips with that, got, got to try and get the grips with that. I read a passage and I haven't got a clue what it's just said to us. And God or the Spirit simply said to us, Ken, stick a bit of paper or a notebook down with your Bible. And when you read it, Just jot down what speaks to you out of that passage. Now, you might want to do that from your phone, uh, in theological, well, no, it wouldn't be theological circles, but in hub training, I guess it would be called journaling, you know, which might put some of us off, because that sounds like a lot of writing that, (laughs) doesn't it? But one, and I've, and I've tried to create that habit for myself when I read a passage, Having a note there, sometimes I feel a little bit guilty because I haven't written down, you know, because it didn't speak anything to us. It was a nice verse, but but then other days it's like speaking to us. So in finishing, stop, read the word, adopt the right attitude and motivation, commit yourself to getting to God, getting to know God more, and make a habit of it. So right now, last one coming up, have a go at finishing this statement. Now, should be, when it comes to reading the Bible, I want, what do you want? What do you want to from, to do from today? So make a note for yourself, do it on your phone. You know, because otherwise, I've wasted my time and I don't believe you've taken much note of anything that God's prompted me to share this morning if we don't fill in that gap. And for some of you it might be pick it up for the first time in a long time. For others it might be to ratchet up what's already a good Bible Bible reading habit. So Heavenly Father, just just pray. 
pray that through your spirit, each of us here would be more hungry for your word. That we'd each be transformed in that area of our lives of wanting to get to know you through reading uh, your holy word. In Jesus' name. Amen.